You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. Um, Okay, so I was chilling, chilling, minding my business. (laughs) And uh, this morning on the local news, uh, it was said that the state of Ohio sued Johnson & Johnson Pharmaceuticals over opiates. And uh, now there is a settlement. So um, just a quick update on this. I'm going to title this that uh, Big Pharma is the pusher man. So um, this, I guess the settlement finally paid out or whatever, and they didn't give a dollar amount on the news. Um, So I'm just going to real quick. This is from NPR. Uh, This was back in 2019, but it says an opioid settlement. Johnson & Johnson agrees to pay Ohio counties $20 million. Johnson & Johnson and two Ohio counties have reached a tentative $20.4 million settlement that removes the corporation from the first federal lawsuit against opioid manufacturers scheduled to begin later this month. In a statement released Tuesday, the healthcare giant said that the agreement with Cleveland's Cuyahoga and Akron's Summit counties allowed it to avoid the resource demands and uncertainty of a trial. However, the terms stipulate that Johnson & Johnson makes no admission of liability. Okay, so I get it now. So I guess Cleveland... Um, must have been the first uh, to get their payout. So in Columbus, uh, they're probably swinging around to getting their payouts now. Anyway, so the company is open to identifying an appropriate comprehensive resolution of the overall opioid litigation. At the same time, the company remains prepared to defend its actions In a deal that must be approved by a federal judge, Johnson & Johnson agreed to pay the counties a total of $10 million and to reimburse them for $5 million in legal fees. An additional $5.4 million would go towards programs to fight opioid addiction in two counties. In 2017, Ohio had the nation's second highest per capita rate of fatal opioid overdoses with 46.3 deaths per 100,000 people, according to the CDC. West Virginia hit the highest rate at 57.8 per 100,000, the CDC says. So just so you all know, um, it's really, really bad, the opioid crisis here. Literally, y'all, you can see people, you know, you're just driving along on like, a, uh, well, literally Main Street, <laughs> but any Main Street and you will see folks doing the junkie gangster lane. It's, I mean, it's really, really bad. And um, there's been several times where folks have went to get high or whatever in the park 
and wind up overdosing in the park, y'all. And the baby, their babies were literally in the back of the car. Just so, I mean, you talk about extremely, extremely sad. Um, So it's really, really prevalent here in Ohio. Um, There is a, uh, who, what do you call mall? Outlet mall, outlet mall. I don't even go to that outlet mall anymore because um, I had a coworker, a former coworker rather, um, she got uh, stuck up at the doggone gas station right by the little outlet mall. And so when the police got there, she was saying that um, the police was saying, don't ever come to this gas station. We are out here a couple times a day with people getting robbed. Now, y'all, mind you, this is at the gas station by the um, outlet mall, which is supposed to be in an alleged, quote, quote, good neighborhood. So, all right. So anyway, and back to the article. Um, Janssen Pharmaceuticals, a subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson, made two opioids that were distributed in Cuyahoga and Summit counties. Johnson & Johnson says the drugs were responsibly marketed and accounted for less than 1% of total opioid prescriptions in the United States. In August, the drug maker was ordered to pay $572 million in a case in Oklahoma, which blamed Johnson & Johnson for helping fuel the opioid crisis in the state. The company has appealed the ruling. Oh, wow. So they've been sued before. Wow. Judge Tad Balkman, who presided over the Oklahoma case, said the pharmaceutical giant caused an opioid crisis that is evident by increased rates of addiction, overdose death, and neonatal um, abstinence syndrome in the state. Now, let me stop right quick. You know, this is interesting because when I started hearing about the big opioid crisis and um, its impact on Caucasian people, now that's not to say that um, other ethnicities also aren't caught up in opioids uh, because they are, but opioids are hitting the Caucasians at a much higher rate. And so when I saw how prevalent it was, it immediately reminded me of the crack cocaine era of the um, 80s and 90s. It immediately reminded me of, of it. The difference is the response. And the response was totally different based on race. Let's keep it real. Because you had the response of, oh, you know, the crack addict, the crackhead, uh, you know, money, the funding for programs, this, that, and the third was not readily available. Uh, it wasn't looked at as a, a disease. 
It was looked at from a criminal standpoint. Okay. So now flash forward and you have an opioid addiction that's impacting uh, Caucasian people. And it doesn't have the same stigma. And the states have responded by um, trying to come up with funding, not trying to. In a lot of cases, they did come up with funding for various programs. And they're looking at this opioid as definitely an addiction and a health crisis. Uh, So that's just an example of how um, in America, uh, race is used um, to play these games, per se, okay? Because one should not have been treated any different than the other. All right, so let me get back to the article. Um, so it was saying the case involving the Ohio counties is the first federal case to be brought against the pharmaceutical companies and is therefore seen as potentially setting precedent for how similar suits will be handled. Four other drug makers have already settled ahead of the October 21st uh, trial, but McKesson Corp, Amerisource Virgin, Cardinal Health, Teva Pharmaceutical Industries, Walgreen Boots Alliance, and Henry Shine are still listed as defendants, according to Rudders. Oh, wow, huh? T, they went after everybody. Now, let's go back and make the comparison again to the crack cocaine era versus the opioids. Now, in the case of the opioids, they're going after the drug or the pharmaceutical who is the biggest pusher man, which I'm not mad at him. Absolutely. Hit them pockets and hit them deep. Do you all realize that the crack cocaine era literally was ushered in with the direct co-and-tail pro of the Alphabet Boys? The agency that starts with the C and ends with an A? Yeah. The whole entire crack cocaine era started with that co-intel pro. If you think back to the Nicaragua, Iran, Contra scandal, that's what that was all about, family. Where that the blah, 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 the covert alphabet boy operation purposely purposely funded running guns to the Iran-Contra because they couldn't get funding from Congress and how they funded running guns to that that particular militia was by running dope. Literally, the concept of crack cocaine came from that covert operation, literally. So anybody that's familiar with the real Freeway Ricky Ross's story, 
Uh, you should know what I'm talking about. If you do not know what I'm talking about, I highly encourage you go look up the documentary. Uh, Netflix has one. Uh, he also has done interviews on YouTube. Um, anybody familiar with the FX series Snowfall? That is totally about that man's story. The real freeway Ricky Ross. That is totally, totally that man's story. Okay? There is a book I highly, highly, highly recommend it by an author named Gary Webb. He's no longer with us. He supposedly and allegedly, and I'm using quotation marks, you can't see me, killed himself because of depression, but he wrote a tell-all book. He did wonderful, great investigation on the whole crack cocaine error, and he linked it to the Iran-Contra scandal all the way up to the White House. Um, it's called Dark Alliance. I highly recommend you get that book. It is an excellent read. Um, they did, I think they did, if I'm not mistaken, they did a movie about it. it the movie was okay, but the book, you all, it just, there's no denying it. He had receipts to back up what he said, um, et cetera, et cetera. So out of all of that investigation, um, the only one that did the time was Freeway, the real Freeway Ricky Ross. Um, he is out of jail or prison, my bad. He is out of prison now. Um, so that's the comparison on the crack cocaine epidemic in the 80s and 90s versus the opioids of today. Why was it just one melanated man that had to pay the price that was involved in the root of getting that um, drug spread across the U.S. Why the difference? Again, to me, this is a clear case of racism based on the largest group that the that crack cocaine impacted, which was melanated folks, people of color, all right? But the opioid is being handled totally, totally different. All right, <laughs> so to finish up this uh, article, the maker of OxyContin, Purdue Pharma, which filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy last month, has reached a tentative settlement in the Ohio suit worth some $12 billion. So I just have to say again, where are the lawsuits for from the crack cocaine era? Why nobody sued those particular agencies that literally, literally ushered in crack cocaine? Johnson & Johnson, like other drug makers, still face some 2,000 other suits in various states related to the opioid epidemic. Early next year, a similar case brought by West Virginia's uh, Cabal County 
Cabell County and the city of Huntington, which have the highest opioid overdose rates in the country, is set to be taken up. All right. So um, this was just giving you uh, an update on what's going on, how uh, Johnson & Johnson in the state of Ohio, particularly in uh Columbus, now they're starting to pay out in these settlements. But I did just want to bring to the family the hypocrisy of it all because you have one group from the 80s that was heavily penalized, um, treatment was very scarce, the uh label that was put on those particular people. And although it was devastating the melanated communities and the people of color community, it was an overall stigma of those communities and the people within the community. Now that the tables have turned per se and opioids are devastating Caucasian communities. It's a totally different narrative. Totally different narrative. When it's basically the same issue. Okay? Only difference is you had one agency uh, holding a covert operation and using a group of folks as collateral damage in their covert operation. And the other one, you had Big Pharma literally being the pusher man. And everyone's like him hum. These are the blatant racism, the root of racism that needs to be dealt with in the Americas. Now, on the flip side with the opioid it is a much deeper issue than they're really talking about. Uh, I think there was either a documentary, uh, want to say it was on Netflix, don't quote me. It could have even been um, Vice, where it talked about, it showed how these big pharmaceutical companies were training their pharmaceutical reps to go in and pitch these particular drugs to doctors and how it was so profit, uh, it was so profit-based, it was sickening. And so some of the former um, sales reps, pharmaceutical sales reps, really talked about the tactics they would use and how some of the doctors... They knew what the game was, and they were like, okay, hurry up, come on with it. Okay, got it. I'll buy some. Rarely did they get any pushback. And the owner of one particular company, a pharmaceutical company, was telling his reps to sell these drugs at any means necessary. He didn't care. It was all about profit. It is very, very sick. Big Pharma itself is a very, very sick and dangerous industry. 
that has been the pusher man for a very, very long time. So with the said family, I just wanted to bring this to your attention. Um, I had no idea that uh, the state of Ohio was going after Big Pharma like this and are getting their settlement. And I learned today that Oklahoma did the same thing. So um, we'll keep an eye on this. I wish everyone well on this Monday. Peace and love.